Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. I've titled my message today, The Beginning and the End. Um, and what I want us to do is either look at the Sky Bible uh, or turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 42. Uh, this is actually, I believe there's a song about this uh, psalm in particular, As the Deer Pants for the Water. Does someone want to sing it? As. There we go, Matty Bateson. Yeah, okay. That's the one. But we're actually going to skip that part. <laughs> Thank you, though. I appreciate it, Matt. Uh, look, we're going to read from uh, Psalm 42, 6 to 11. All right. <clears throat> oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forsaken me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Not the, not the most encouraging verse initially, is it? Like we've kind of taken the tone of the rooms, just going like that right now. <clears throat> but isn't this the story of our life? We so up and down. Life as it is can is a series of hills and valleys, mountains and uh, low experiences, and we can see here that <clears throat> the psalmist. This one isn't actually David. This is from the sons of Korah. He's kind of almost in two minds within the within a breath. We've got, why are you so cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you disquiet? We're asking the questions. And in life, isn't that our story? We want the business plan. We want the next step. We want the why. We want to know every little detail. <clears throat> Has anyone ever been here? Can I ask you a question today? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? As the psalmist reads, in a, in a state of confusion, I will say to my God, why have you forgotten me? And there's a, there's a sense of confusion. You know those moments in life where all, all the steps that you've taken, everything that you've put in place doesn't actually add up to what you think it did. And you get to this point where you're on the cliff's edge going, this doesn't look how it was meant to look. God, I thought you would be with me. God, I thought you would be in my plans. So why are you so downcast? What do I do when I don't know what to do? As we look upon society now and even our own hearts, we've come upon a world where there's such a pursuit of those whys, of that knowledge, of that understanding, where we're always wanting to know the next step. 
Where does faith come into that today? Where does faith come into you standing on the edge going, God, I don't know what's next. He's going, I don't need you to. I need you to trust in me. But we come into a society that's so, maybe particularly since probably the Renaissance, the 18th century, where knowledge became paramount. We started to pursue understanding to its nth, to its nth degree, and that was the pinnacle of society. <clears throat> and we start asking question after question. But I wonder, in our pursuit of knowledge, have we become a better society? In our glorification of understanding, have we actually brought more of heaven to earth? <clears throat> But that's the beauty of the gospel, is that even in our understanding, it exposes our desperate need for a saviour. Amen? We get to that point where we realise we're actually not good enough. We can't, our plan doesn't actually get us to where we all desire to go. So he stepped in to save us, as Isaiah talks about. That's the beauty of the gospel. And as we see in verse 9, he says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. Where, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? I'd like to suggest that in today's day and age, I wonder in our pursuit of understanding that we've forgotten how to praise. Our praise can often look like our next answer. We, we think, that okay, if I shift this around, shuffle the money this way, or if I talk to this person, that's going to happen. We start to put these plans in place and these understandings, and the mind is great, but the Word talks about captivating the mind and guarding the heart. Captivate the mind and bring it into submission before the Lord. I wonder if trying to gain understanding, we've actually forgotten how to praise. To the point where it's almost become a detriment that, like I said before, we, we put so much value on the criticism in our world, don't we? That's why criticism hurts, is because, one, it, it's more common than probably encouragement, and two, it's sharp. <clears throat> May we get to the stage where, as, as a body, um, we're filled with encouragement and specific praise, specific encouragement. I believe we need to learn to praise again. Amen? I believe we need to learn to praise again. And I'm not talking about just learn, like praise and worship type thing. Obviously, the creative guy up here... It's always easily attributed that he's talking about music. Where I'm going to break that kind of down a little bit. Morgan and I have a bit of a joke um, that I just out of habit might maybe call the first song or so the praise song uh, of worship. And then we've got the other two songs which we commonly call worship. There's the camera. <laughs> uh, Morgan, Morgan corrects me and she says they're the fast songs and the slow songs. It's all praise and worship. Does anyone agree? What I'm going to do today is kind of, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to like um, 
slam my opinion home and Morgan and I are going to go and have an argument later. What I'm talking about is uh, the verb of praise. Uh, so as we see here, uh, you pop that up, TJ, what praise is we've got. Have I put that on the slide? She's shaking her head at me. No, I have. We've got the, in the Hebrew, the term yada, that's in the Old Testament, and aeneo uh, in the Greek. So I want to kind of bring a bit of distinction around these, all right? So in the word, there's actually about 19 different words for praise. We just live in our Western kind of language. It's kind of one or the other, uh, and it's quite linear. But in the, in the word, there's 19 different versions, and there's the noun of praise, which is often like the praise of God, these sorts of things. It's the glory of God, whereas what we're talking about here is the action of praise. So where worship is about, it's almost um, a sense of intimacy, whereas it, there's, there's almost a dialogue when it comes to the act of worship. It's, it's a communication type thing. Praise requires no response. So when we come in, maybe when we hit those first songs, the reason we call them praise is because we're not standing there thinking about ourselves and seeing how God's working in our world. We're just declaring there's nothing that our God can't do. There's just a praise about it. There's no response needed. So as we talk about this today, what I want us to think about is how can I praise the Lord in my world right now? Where, where has my plans and my understanding fallen short? That is where we will praise. So in this, in praise, it often is attributed to our voice. So I want to just talk about our words a little bit here. And um, what we know about words is that they are, it, the tongue is the strongest muscle in your body. It has the ability to start a war. Parents, yep. Husbands and wives. has the ability to start a war. It has the ability to bring peace. You have the ability to tear someone down completely or build them up with our words. But the first use of words that we have is in Genesis. And it says, let there be light. From there, everything that exists was created by the creator. So what we know now is that words were used for creation foremost. Two, that there is not creators, there is a creator. <clears throat> Speech's primary function is creation. Its secondary function is communication. Isn't it true that um, how we speak about things can often um, affect how we engage with those things? How we speak about someone, how we speak with about uh, an organisation or um, a a restaurant or a food, whatever it is, we can tend to engage with that based on how we speak. <clears throat> we speak of others, our circumstances, our ideas, with either life or death. As the word declares, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So my question is, in these moments that we see in uh, this psalm, I will say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Uh, these moments where he's saying... <clears throat> 
in the land of Jordan, these mountaintop experiences from the hill of Mizar or in the valleys, deep calls unto deep. Are we speaking life or are we speaking death into them? Speech's primary function was creation. And we create the world we live in by the words that we use. So when we're encountering each other, we're actually encountering each other's kind of little ecosystem and the way that they talk and the way that we all interact with each other. We're kind of, we've got two worlds colliding. I'm a bit of a Marvel fan and I'm kind of seeing like all those like different planets colliding and then out of nowhere the like Black Panther steps in and you've gone, wow, how did you do that type thing? You've got worlds within worlds. Life and death is in the power of the tongue and I often wonder if in our moments and in our valley experiences we are reliving those experiences through the way that we talk about them. As we, as we heard last week, Kristen sharing, being able to recognise what season you are in and being able to give it to God and take, take note of it, I wonder if um, we are reliving it. There's parts of your subconscious... This is talking about biology here. There's parts of your subconscious that don't actually know the difference between reality and imaginary. So you know those times when you had those low moments or you have something great happen and you relive it. And it feel, your body joins in. You relive it you, and everything starts to cycle over again. And you may have been feeling great, but then you start talking about the low experience and then you get to the end of the story and you're like, wow, I feel despicable. Because that, that part of your brain, that part of our brain can't tell whether we actually just went through that again or not. So we relive these traumas rather than actually speaking life into them. The problem in this is not the talking about them. It's that the enemy wants you to relive your traumas and look back at them outside of the lens of Christ. You see, in chapter 9, it says, As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Your world around you, the circumstance, the enemy wants you to get you to look back and go, Where is your God? Because as he can get to look back outside of Christ, he's made you vulnerable. But the beauty of being in Christ is that it is no longer I, but it's Christ in me now. You can stand there and look back on your circumstances and go, it's him. He's redeemed my past and he's made a way for my future. I dare say that there are some in this room that are in the fight of your life. There are things that are just cycling around in your world and you don't know what, what it is, what it's for. You feel like you've been walking desert after desert after desert and season after season after season. And you feel like the Israelites in the desert. But can I just encourage you today that you're not actually in the desert. You're actually just walking around Jericho. And that time's coming now where you're going to open your mouth, praise the Lord and see those walls fall. See that stronghold break down. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Um, what I'm saying here is not to not talk about your experiences. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying live them through the lens of Christ. 
Find someone that um, can help you see things through the lens of Christ. We have uh, a lady that um, runs a counselling service uh, from the offices out here, Nicola. Um, If you need some professional help, there's people around you to support you and um, build you up. Praise is your gateway. Praise is... Marvel fans, anyone watch Marvel movies? I don't watch a lot of movies, I'll be honest. I don't, I've got three boys. No, there's not much time. But Marvel fans, you know the Bifrost thing? You know where they just bang? Laura, thank you. For those who don't watch Marvel, I'm going to try and explain this to you. The guys get in trouble. They don't know what to do. What do they do? They go like that and this vortex just sucks them up back home to where they're going. It's coloured, crystal, bang, vortex, and it just takes them. It's like a bridge. <laughs> I'm using Marvel to preach the gospel, hoping, hoping this, is just so, this is just to bring an earthly relevance to this. Hopefully you understand. But praise is that gateway. Praise is that coming to the end of yourself going, what do I do, God? Bang, I will praise you, for you are good, and you are perfect, and you make a way. It is the ultimate act of surrender because it is no longer I, but it's Christ in me. See, our knowledge is, knowledge is good and understanding is vital, uh, but we read in Corinthians that knowledge puffs up. The reason knowledge puffs up is because we're human. You have a capacity. Yes, on earth, we're finite. This flesh and bones only hold so much. You only have so much mental energy. You only have so much uh, emotional resource to draw from. But no longer I, but Christ in me. His spirit knows no bounds. So when we praise him, we're giving him the doorway into our world. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to sit there and just thaw on through to your uh, your circumstance and beat down the door and bang, here we are, I'm going to save you every single moment. He's waiting for that praise because that is the act of surrender going, God, I need you. I need you, Lord. I just get the sense that um, some of us in this room are hoping for a break. We want to break from that season. We want the answer. We want it to just come through. You're at your wit's end and you go to bed each night wondering why. But God's actually saying, I've got a breakthrough for you. It's time to praise again. Time to praise again. We read in Proverbs 9, verses 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That is where our understanding and our knowledge starts. The application of knowledge and understanding is in wisdom. I want to suggest to you today that the end of your wisdom is praise. The end of our wisdom is as the sons and daughters of God, is to surrender and praise Him. 
As we dial over from Proverbs 9.10, we look towards the ending of days in Revelation 19, and it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. What's that song? Alleluia. Agnes Day, Alleluia, for the Lord God. That's where it comes from. <laughs> hey? I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever song led that song, so I couldn't go much further than that. <laughs> You're welcome to try, Gina. Where the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the end of our wisdom is praise. If our knowledge and understanding doesn't lead us to praise, like the ancient of days, it's waste. It has no purpose unless it leads us to lift up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <clears throat> so as we go through this psalm, we read that, uh, let me pull it back. We get to the end. He's kind of jumped around. He's a bit stressed out, I reckon. This guy trying to find his bearings in his world. And he says, verse 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted with him? I believe in this, how he's asking this here, he's actually talking to himself. He's actually telling himself what's going on. See, sometimes your ears actually need to hear your praise. Sometimes your soul needs to hear what your spirit really knows. That's the power in praise in that it reminds your soul who is Lord. We need to be able to get to that point where... We can silence the voices around us because we're filling our ears and our heart with the things of God. How do you fill your heart with the things of God? You just sing His praise. Sing His glory. Use your voice. Use your, use your tongue. Use that, the strongest muscle that is in the body to bring Him glory. Rather than we, we name and glorify our moments and our circumstances, when He's just saying, just, I'm waiting. I'm here for you. I'm for you. Anchor your praise. It says, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Hope in God. These three, thi- these three things do not fade, faith, love, and hope. They're your anchors in life. In every moment, in every season, faith, love, and hope. Can I suggest that if uh, action is the response of faith, Giving is the response of love. Praise is the response of hope. Faith without works is dead. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's a response to each of those. In your world, in your circumstances, let that knowledge lead you to praise. It's necessary, but it isn't paramount. Knowledge is necessary and understanding is necessary, but it's not paramount. And there's plenty of different types of praise. As we saw, there's 19 different words and they're all used in different kind of settings. There's, we've got thanksgiving, those moments when you don't know what to say. Someone gives you a compliment. You know the moments when someone gives you a compliment and you're like, oh, what do I say? 
that's all glory to God or like these, these sorts of things or you're like, yeah, I actually nailed that. That was awesome. Thanksgiving, just thank you can be enough, can be an answer enough sometimes. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for who you are, God. God, I give you all praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank Adoration. God, we just adore you. There's glory, giving him all glory. There's blessing. There's different types of praise. And these surpass our understanding. I believe that the abundance of God's presence in our world doesn't come foremost from our appetite to experience him, but our readiness to give him praise. From that posture flows an everlasting desire. Can I read that again? I believe that the abundance of God's presence in our world does not come foremost from our appetite to experience him. So our appetite to have him on my in my experience, in my moments, in my everyday. But it comes from our readiness to actually give him back the glory. Then from all, there, all things flow. Praise again, church. Praise again. Seasons are hard. Life is hard, but God is good. Amen? Life is hard, but God is good. The beginning of wisdom, the beginning of your understanding is the fear of the Lord. But the end is always praise. What does heaven do for eternity but praise him? Join with heaven in your everyday. Join with him in your moments. Join with him in your seasons. Join with him for the rest of your days and give him praise. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.